Hello everybody, welcome back to Farscape Rewatch Season 3, Episode 10. I am Karma Hatsen, joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello, I smell a okay episode coming up. <laughs> yes, this is uh, Episode 10, Relativity. Episode 10 of Season 3, and uh, it's another Talon episode. Because we, you know, remember we're alternating between Talon and Moya. Last week we were on Moya with losing time, and it... It wasn't really that good. This is better. This is definitely a better episode. And there's some very interesting things to talk about, I think, anyway. Mm -hmm. So, the, of course, because I think because we're cutting back and forth now, the previously on stuff is a bit more relevant. Oh, that's why they keep doing that. Well, because like, yeah, well, this, we saw this two weeks ago. This is fun. Uh, yeah, but we it, saw was, it was two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And we start out with quite a long previously on Farscape because it. It's about the Peacekeeper Retrieval Squad looking out, going after Talon. And Aaron's Talon, mother commanding it. And uh, the vid clip of Aaron's mother coming to her at night when she was a mm -hmm. child, telling her you know, she was conceived out of love, and Chris gave that to her, and then they split off from uh, Moya. Basically, most of it is recapping what happened in Thanks for Sharing. There wasn't much yeah. uh, from Green-Eyed Monster, actually, but... Uh, that I mean, that's all the relevant stuff for where they are, because we start out with Talon on a jungle planet, and we actually have a panning shot, or an establishing shot, going down through the canopy of the trees and all the way down to the forest floor. In, like, in CG, which is not aged too badly, but it's not, it's not amazing. There's a, lot, there's a lot of fog in this shot, I'm assuming <laughs> that helps. Yeah, and then you see Talon on the ground, and he's covered in vines and roots and things. And <laughs> and once we cut inside Talon, the first person we see is Stark. Yeah, sort of <laughs> scampering through Talon, making some noises like... Dee, 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 and um, he's dancing. He's dancing singing. a little bit, yeah. And uh, I think he's, he's in their, his quarters, because remember, he has to share with Rigel. Mm -hmm. But there's like boxes and like crates so it's maybe some kind of cargo hold that they're actually using to sleep in i guess so and rigel is sort of wait just groggling as so i was like Ugh. yeah because stark walks up and it's like rigel puts his hand next to uh, his hands next to rigel is laying back rigel wake up oh 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 why <laughs> i know i know i am short let me sleep, and I'm also at castration height. <laughs> and Stark so, just go, grabs his Mevonks. Protect the Mevonks! But Dave Rachel says, oh, couldn't sleep much. What with those two last night on the other side through of this, the wall? Through this very thin wall! Oh, they're between bouts for now, but it's... God, it was bad enough. I thought she was bad, but then Crichton was so... It was loud and like... It sounded like he was actually exerting himself. himself. Calls himself a male or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Rachel's that's pretty said. much what Rachel said. <laughs> and Stark goes up to the wall, cups his ear next to it. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and we cut to the other side and we see John and Aaron laying together in bed. In be and I'm like, finally! Yes! Yes! <sighs> finally happened. And it's completely unambiguous. too long if you're asking me, but and okay, And it's completely good. unambiguous as well. It's like, they we, we like track along the bed, like starting at the bottom, we see their feet poking out of the sheets and, you yeah. know, they're not wearing anything under there and it pans up and, it pans up and they're embracing and... There's it's clothes <laughs> on the floor. And, um, <laughs> John is, uh, 
here's the uh, Rigel and Stark on the other side, and just like bangs on the wall and pre makes pretend noises. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, Duh! oh yes, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and it's like, stop doing that. <laughs> and he's like, actually, you were louder than that last night. And he's like, if you can believe it. And like, all right, okay, so no ambiguity, ambiguity about this at all. Just whoop. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, and then they, you know, roll over and start kissing some more and talk about, you know, just, you know. How long do we have to stay here? Blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. as long as we want. And then Crace comes over the comms. It's like, everybody up to command. We need, there's an emergency. There's a sh ship <laughs> Tell them this tractor ship coming in. Oh, All right, well. fine. And when they get up to Talon's command, Crisis, it's the vigilante, the ship that's after them, and mm -hmm. it's landed on the planet. So they've been found, tracked down by the Peacekeeper Retrieval Squad. We knew it was going to happen eventually. They were going to find them at some point, but... Oh, and also the other thing actually, I actually forgot to mention about the planet is that uh, Talon is still recovering from the injuries he sustained the first time around. Yes. And the vines on the planet actually have... Uh, healing or restorative properties which is yes. why he's covered in them and is you know getting better but so he's not 100% he can't he can't not... just up and leave no right now. so now they but they of course they've got to deal with the retrieval squad and we actually see now we cut to the outside we cut to <laughs> Dagobah basically <laughs> it is a little bit the set... I had not even thought of that it is totally Dagobah well yeah because they've got the dense jungle with mist rolling across the floor and, uh, you know, vines everywhere. And, and they go by. And so we see two of the same red creatures we saw. Three, actually. Oh, right, you're for right. A brief moment. Because <laughs> the same we see one of those red aliens and Zalek Soon yep. get out of what looks like a prowler. That's no vigilante, <laughs> but whatever. And the red alien is like, really, seems really exerted or tired or something. And she asks, like, you okay? Yes. High gravity. Two and a half times more than planet I come from, but I, I will make my share worth it. She's like, yeah. Bang! Shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> two of his mates come around, and uh, she's just like, well, gentlemen, your cut has just gone up. <laughs> and now we actually get a good look at Zalax, and something I hadn't noticed before was really, that she has a huge scar on the left side of her face. A burn scar, like yeah, acid burn. burn. Yeah, and um, she's wearing like black and dark red sort of leather like peacekeeper attire you know and, and the other the other two have this very interesting garment it's almost egyptian yes ancient egyptian very much so that's reminded of i like that the whole with the part about oh the, the gravity of this planet is high and that's it's affecting them yeah like yes good good all right this details is, like that i like yeah. that and just to remind you guys, this is, you know, the red aliens we saw in Thanks for Sharing, the ones, the ones that look like, a little bit like the alien from Alien, but red, and with like a, a spiky teeth in the mouth rather than like the... Snout. Yeah, snout, yeah. And, but they're standing upright and talking, and their heads actually are really intricate, like the front bit, their eyebrows can move and the mm -hmm. mouths can open and nostrils can flare... And you, I know you said that we were confused. I got confused and said there was two, but then there was three and one got shot. There are actually only 
two suits. Duh. <laughs> yeah, according to the contract. So, I, like, saw how, I, I saw how they shot that. It's like, there's only two suits. Yeah, they, they wanted... We'll have three of them. Oh, we only have two suits. Well, one of them has to die then. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> more than two on, on screen at the same time. Yep. And so they're going to go hunt Talon. Oh, also, mm-hmm. as they're coming in and the sh- they're detecting the ship, um, Stark is like, friend of foe, friend of foe, friend of foe, friend of foe, like, repeatedly. And Chris is like, but Talon is trying to ascertain that. Friend of foe, like, friend of foe. like, foe, what else do you think? Why We don't have any friends. Yes, that's the line. Speak for yourself, Rachel. Just, well, no, I mean, <laughs> the only friends that they have right now are Mo- is Moya, and they said they weren't going to contact Moya because... Of this, that they will get dragged into the retrieval squad. Oh, they fair. don't. They haven't made a lot of friends. To be honest, name one. No, dead. Um, yeah. Nope. Nope. Also dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends, a big word. <laughs> you see, we're running a little. Yeah. Dry. Yeah, you're you're making a good point. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Hmm. Those um, aliens they helped when Ryza was pissing fire. I guess, yeah. That was a while. I'm not, I'm not expecting them to show up. No. Just, they have friends. <laughs> sure. Have at least one group of friends. <laughs> All right. So now it's time to put a plan into action. We've got to deal with the retrieval squad. So Crichton, Crace, and Aaron are going to go outside and act as decoys and stop, you know, distract the squad from finding Talon. And Rigel and Stark are going to stay inside and make sure that Talon is okay. And so once again, we've got that. We've got Rigel and Stark paired up together, which works very well, yes. as we've seen. I like those two together. And so as they're gearing up to go out, Rigel has actually been watching the clip of Zalak's son talking to Aaron. And, and Rigel's like, oh, she seems nice. Can we just, you know, can you just ask her to go away or something? Can we use you as leverage or something? And um, John gets up in Rigel's face and says, hey, that's Aaron's stuff. Don't touch it, Buckwheat, and then just, you will leave it alone. He's all protective. No, get, just buzz off, Buckwheat. And then we cut back outside to the set. So apparently the the forest set was actually fairly small. Um, This is from the DVD commentary with the the episode's director and uh, Lanny Tupu, but the set was fairly small, and uh, they just had different uh, angles and dressings of the set to shoot from, which is it was interesting because I didn't notice how nope. small it was until well until the second viewing where they pointed it out. It's like okay, I can see that now. But they actually they're able to use that set really well, so it gives you more of a feeling of actually being perhaps several different sets or a larger set. You know. Yeah, I can see that. If you do it well, you can usually pull that off. Just especially if you have movable parts. Yeah. And turn and turn them around. Have them, give them give them different facing. Mm-hmm. Rearrange them. Shoot from a different angle. Also, the uh, they're shot fairly close up, fairly tight, which helps mm. as well. But yeah, yep. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. And so, a good use of their uh, limited set and uh, camera work. So, uh, Zalex is talking to the, well, the aliens are called Kalatus, which um, Kalatus, yes. yes, yes. John is going to find a way to mispronounce. That. Of course, but and she's talking to them, saying, "So you're mercenaries, right? How many missions you've been on?" and say oh nine this is my ninth and then out and so oh right so you do your nine missions and then you earn your freedom i think then you can buy your freedom buy and your like freedom. hang on that's not how mercenaries work that's how <laughs> slaves work ah, mercenary slave uh, we, we, <laughs> we have mercenaries air quotes <laughs> helping us 
And then, but she says, well, it would be a shame if you screwed up and reset your mission count to zero. Mm-hmm. So don't mess up. It's like, no. So, like, that's exactly what they were planning. They're like, ah, drat. She has a good point. Well, then we probably have to change our plans. <laughs> It's more we're like, totally planning to screw up. My re- I mean, my reading of the scene was more like, look, do your job properly. I will not tolerate failure and you will mm. have your you know, mission counts reset or something. Anyway, what Crichton, Aaron and Crace are doing is they've, so they've grabbed pulse rifles and they're walking through the jungle just firing them into the air. As John points out, this trail is so bad, Jimmy Crockett could even follow it. <laughs> It's just, yeah, they're making such an obvious noise and... Right, this trail is so obvious that even Jimmy Crockett could follow it. That yeah. was it. And so is Alex and uh, the uh, mercenaries uh, start heading towards it. And on Talon, Rigel and Starkers are walking through Talon's corridors. And we actually, so when they're getting ready to leave a, a minute ago, we had like a long walk, we had a, a walk and talk scene. With mm-hmm. them walking through, the, everybody walking through the corridors and, you know, deciding what to do. Yeah. And so we got long shots of Talon's corridors, which are looking pretty good. Nice to have. It's good that we've got more sets for Talon now. That yeah. It feels, lot, uh, feels better. The ship feels bigger. Mm. And I like that they started with just a bridge and now it feels bigger because that also mirrors Talon getting bigger himself. Yeah. And so also in that walk and talk scene, and similarly to this scene with Rigel and Stark, um, they're, they're giving exposition, but what they're doing is they're moving all the time while they're giving it. They're not just stood, you know, expositing at each mm-hmm. other, which helps like with the energy of the scene so you don't get like bogged down in just weird talking and explaining what is happening. Yes, um, and if you do it well, you can also lace what they're saying with character. Yeah, exactly. And so what uh, Rigel and Stark are doing is there's uh, the vines from outside are now inside. And Stark says, vines from outside growing inside. Oh, that's not good. He and Rigel both have a nervous tick. Yeah, Uh, Rigel hiccups and Stark hums. Yeah, and they're annoyed at each other. (laughs) Of course they are. They're the odd couple, (laughs) you know. It's great. It's why it's so great when they they get put together because it makes mm-hmm. total sense and they can be a bit of light relief from everything else going on. And so they start cutting down the vines because they're rooted into the ground. So if Talon tries to take off, then you know it might drag him down and do some damage. So they're like, "Well, let's start weed hacking." But Rigel is thinks, "No, Talon's almost fully recovered. He'll be able to break free." And they're like, no, suck. Like, no, 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 must cut them down, take them down. Or it's just like, pull harder. <laughs> so then back outside, Zalax has got her pulse rifle sort of up against a tree and is watching carefully Crichton, Aaron, and Crace. Yeah, because they're basically walking into an ambush. And then opens fire, and then there's a firefight, and actually a nicely shot firefight, I thought. Was... Actually, right before the firefight opens, they pass a geyser. Oh, right, yes. <laughs> it yes. just shoots some stuff out of the ground and apparently oh. it stinks. Mm. And Crichton's like, oh, welcome to the welcome to the butthole of the universe. Yep. <laughs> Good line. And so, yeah, then uh, Zalaxon sees them and just carefully waits. And we get, like, a close-up of, like, it zooming in on her eye. And we see also, you know, close-ups of everyone else, including Aaron. And so initially, like, oh. Well, does she know? Ooh. I thought I saw a moment of hesitation. 
But then she opens fire on them, and there's a big firefight between all of them. Yeah, and... which which is, as per usual with uh, Farscape, it's very chaotic, and I have no idea who's where. I So I thought this compared to... If I was to compare it to a more a recent you know chaotic firefight, which was uh, about five episodes ago in different destinations, mm-hmm. and I was not a fan of that one because it was too confusing there was too much going on and it was too quickly edited i thought this was uh not so bad and actually because of the you know dense forest and uh the closeness of everything the Mm -hmm. things being jumbled up and a bit confused for the characters as well because they were like yeah we're being shot from whoa get down oh this is coming from everywhere i think that actually worked better because when it was in a different destination, they were basically in a big open uh, courtyard. So that mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense. No, I think I, I think it works thematically, but I still I prefer my fu- I like my action scenes to be clear. I understand that, but I guess I shouldn't expect that on this budget. <laughs> well, I think it's what they're doing is using what they have to make it look more impressive than it otherwise would. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's yeah. probably fair. But yeah, I thought it wasn't as bad as previous um, examples have been. And so during the firefight, Kreis gets shot in the arm, and Eren mm-hmm. is able to draw Zalax away from everyone else. And I think what happened, there's a sort of series of events where Zalax gets shot in the leg, and yep. has then gets Eren in a headlock. Zalax says, are you with, with uh, him? Are you with him? Yeah. Where is he? Eren does actually say, like, are you Zalax so much he's in that headlock? Mm-hmm. And then, but then, because of the injured leg uh, of Zalax, Aaron is able to you know punch that and get away, and then knock out Zalax and then tie her yes. up. <laughs> and I like just as she's knocked her out, he's like, "Hello again, mother." Yeah. <laughs> and so those two are separated, and then we've got Crichton and Crace separated off from the rest, and they were you know, just managing to get away from the uh, two uh, aliens. Mm-hmm. And so Krace is bleeding from the arm, and Krace then explains that they're using Corlatas, uh, who will find and kill him if he's left bleeding. So, you know, they're hunting him, they're trackers, you know, mercenaries, they're going to hunt him down, and he's bleeding, so it'll be a lot easier now. <laughs> I like how Krace says, look, as long as I'm ble- bleeding, they'll have an easier time finding me. Okay, I'll go look for Aaron. Wait, no, they have to leave me here, otherwise they'll find me. It's like, yeah, and? And? <laughs> so? <laughs> Crichton doesn't care. Then we yeah. see a, a scene of the two Corlatas stumbling through the forest, and one of them is clutching his chest, and the sort of blood coming from his mouth is like, oh, it's the gravity. Yeah, just, you okay? It's the gravity. One of my hearts yeah, has exploded. <laughs> like, Jesus, <laughs> take a minute. You know, Whoa. Sit down. <laughs> well, no, I mean, sit down with extra gravity. You might never get up. <laughs> So, yeah, but they've got separated from Zalax, of course, so they're like, okay, well, we're going to continue the hunt by ourselves. We need to, we're our mercenaries, we need to get our job done. I like the one that had a, one of his hearts pop, mm. basically says, oh, I can, I can smell Zalax. We should, I will find her. It's like, no, 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 go look for the uh, target. She might be injured. <laughs> yes, and? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, pretty, pretty much because they say, look, we are hunters. We have to get our quarry. We are mm-hmm. not required to get Salak back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, small detail in the firefight. I actually had this in my notes. I just not, just uh, remembered that when they're fighting, they've got pulse rifles, and then 
Crace's pulse rifle stops working. He throws it down and then just starts dual wielding yes. pulse pistols. It's like I forgot ah, that. Do, 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 do. Also, like jumping the, back. I had a note here when Zalik is trying to choke Aaron. It's like, ah, they're having a family hug. <laughs> and speaking of which, we then the next scene is uh, Aaron and Zalax, and Aaron has tied her up and mm-hmm. uh, is patching up her injured leg, and says like, this should stop the bleeding and stop any bone from poking out. There you go. And Zalax looks at her and comes to and says, Who are you? He says, I'm Aaron's son, your daughter. So, yeah, we had that close-up on Zalax's eyes earlier. Maybe a little bit of hesitation when she opened fire. But that was was maybe a little bit of a fake-out because she clearly didn't know who Aaron was until now. And also, it's pretty clear that she doesn't like her daughter. No. Because Zalax basically like, you're a peacekeeper. No. Not anymore. She says, well, then you must be with him. She, she basically does the short list of peacekeeper propaganda. Yeah, and, you know, you've abandoned them, and that's, no, no daughter of mine, or something like that. You know, yeah, so thing, things along No daughter the, of mine. Well, things along those lines, yeah. It's a thing parent does not like. <laughs> All right. So then we go back to uh, Talon and Stark and Rigel, and uh, Stark says that Talon's always completely healed and should be able to break free of the vines soon. And mm-hmm. Rigel's like, "Well, once he's well, we should just get out of here. There's a there's a peacekeeper retrieval squad out there. Okay, their chances of coming back at all are not very good. We should just up and leave. Of course, I mean it's typical Rigel, really, just be yeah. like some small amount of trouble." And he's just like, let's just get out of here. I don't care where everyone else is. I'm leaving. We're all no, no, leaving. No. You, you seem to misunderstand. It's not let's get out of here. It's let, it's I need to get out of I, here. Yeah, I, I have, I, to, I I have get to get out of here. Out of here. Yeah. <laughs> also, Rigel's got his got a knife now and he's you know, cutting through the vines. The, the vines, there's more of a problem in, in later shots. But yeah, it's just it's blue rope, which is a shame. Yeah. I think according to the commentary... Uh, I heard that they had another material that they wanted to use for it, but I think it was, it was a fire hazard uh, uh, on the set. So they were like, okay, well, let's just get some some nylon or whatever rope that shouldn't be a problem. That's always a bummer when that happens. Yeah. Also, speaking of fire hazards, you know we talked about there's the set, the new sets and the corridors, and actually Talon's bridge or the command uh, yeah. set. That caught fire. <laughs> during the filming, I think of this episode, <laughs> or maybe the one before. Uh, course, but yeah. um, so they had to have a new set built. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> and so, an entire new set, like the whole set burned down. Yeah, like, like a rebuild of the of the same set. I yeah. thought maybe a console bro- uh, burned down, or maybe a pillar, but mm. shit. <laughs> so they had to, yeah. Then they had to rebuild the set. I think, I think, if I remember rightly, that was either this or the previous talent episode um so this is why you know now that we have these well, we you know have wider shots and bigger shots because i think they rebuilt a few things mm-hmm. but yeah anyway just remember that little uh, detail so after that short scene with stark and rigel we're with Crichton and crace and the Crichton is dragging crace through the forest and they're looking for aaron and <laughs> you know, he's dragging him through crace is in pain and he's like yeah oh. She might be dead. Hey, she's not dead. Yeah. What if she is? No, she's not. She's alive, okay? And then we're considering that option. No. And we also see Aaron uh, pushing Zalax ahead of her and, like, right, you're coming with me. And, like, 
Uh, I'm sure it's no coincidence that you're on this mission. Like you see, you didn't know me, but I'm peacekeeper command. Surely must have known. Maybe you volunteered. Maybe you volunteered for this mission. Jumped at the chance. Was that it? It's like no. And why does it matter? So you can see your mummy again. <laughs> oh, like she's really indignant about it. Yes, it's, like, it's like, oh, you think I'm going to go because I'm your mummy? No, that's stupid. Yeah, you would disgrace me, and yeah. Where are we going anyway? We're going to Talon. Yeah. That's... Oh yes, I named it after after my father. Remember? Oh. Do you remember Talon? I so... thought you'd like you'd find that funny. And she says that's sentiment, sentiment, sentimental and weak. Yeah, uh, it's against peacekeeper regulation. Oh yeah, and like... peacekeeper regulations are to eliminate all enemy combatants. You don't take them prisoner or don't you know, keep them alive. Yeah, and Aaron's like, well. I don't really follow peacekeeper protocol anymore. Besides, you're more, worth more to me alive than dead as yeah. a bargaining chip. And uh, possible leverage. And so, if you're yeah. if you're hoping that I'm going to flinch, well, I'm not. And we get like a close up on mm -hmm. Aaron's face, and she's just determined. And yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. When she says that you're supposed to kill a combatant, she's like, "Well, get it over with, and you can call your prowler after me." Yeah. Oh, she's so dismissive of it. Like, well, oh God, yeah. Screw you. <laughs> this is sentiment and weakness, and like, peacekeeper doctrine is absolute. And, oh. Not, not yeah. even a hi. How you're doing? Yeah, <laughs> not at all. And so then we go. <laughs> we see. Okay, then we see Crichton and Crace, mm -hmm. and they're lost. They don't know where they are. Okay. Just says to sit down. We're not going in circles because we've been, never been here before. We're completely, <laughs> completely hopelessly lost. lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Now I need to treat your wound, and John does. Well, it's it's not really medicine; it's more torture, I guess. Yeah, because okay, there, I, I, there's a little detail in an earlier scene that we skipped over because it's unimportant. But what it was is there was a fruit that they knocked down when they were walking through the forest that split open, and there was acid bubbling out of it. Yes. And so John gets some of that and is going to put that into Crace's wound on the on the back of his shoulder. I think to cauterize it is the idea. Uh -huh. I, yes, but no, no, uh, this is a why, why would you do that? John is not a medic, I don't know what he's thinking. The only, th the only scenario with, in which this might work is when you put it on top of the wound, not into in, the wound. Yeah, which is what he does, he like cracks it open, pulls it in there, and it fizzes up and bubbles and like... It's like, holy shit, no! And uh, Crazy yells out in pain, apparently that was actually reasonably painful because the way they had that effect they set used up, actual actual acid no fruit? no no what it was was it was some kind of chemical mixture that would like fizz up and basically there was a metal plate behind like his shirt so that it wouldn't get on him um but it, so, but it, it got it got really it got really hot so yeah <laughs> he was yeah, so crazy's oh, screams were not entirely acting well, it's, <laughs> it's just like oh jeez that's hot acid acting <laughs> And so the Colossus are still searching for them. And then they stumble around some more. Mm -hmm. And then they fall into another small clearing. And John's like, I hate mazes. My, my, girlfriend, my first girlfriend liked them. Oh, Johnny, let's go into the mirror maze. It's great. <laughs> well, Jewel, are you laughing now? <laughs> Jules. Jules, I Jules. think. Right. Yes, not Jewel. That's, that's a different Jules. person. Are you laughing? No, no, no. He doesn't say are you laughing now. He says, is this making you horny? <laughs> oh, right. Out. Yes. Right. Oh, uh, Crichton is kind of losing it again. Oh, my God. Falling. Damn it. And so they're, like, lying down on the ground. 
and John just puts his hand on like a tree stump and there's some goo there and he puts it to his face and he smells it, it smells, like, like, oh. smells awful and he's like wait I got an idea here you go Crace and like slap some on his head and Crace just is like oh that's oh stinks he's like rub it on yourself then they won't be able to smell us and Frank's like just dabbing it on himself and like, like just remember to get the private parts. It's, <laughs> it's so. Can I just say that the accent that you gave Crichton here just makes it all the more creepy? Well, because he he's kind of like a little bit hoarse when he's doing. It. He's like just uh, put him on the. Because oh. he's because he's tired. How you doing, well, not... you doing man? Not. <laughs> It's more like he's it's more like he's tired like, and exhausted. That's where you were going. That's where I was going with it. Not the creepy weirdo that you were doing. That's what I was hearing when you were talking. All right, fine. Look, there's what I was going for, and then there's what happened. Those are two different <laughs> things. Fair enough. So yeah, they got to cover themselves in this awful smelling goo so that they don't make any particular scent, and you know it blends in with the rest of the forest. Sure. Okay. And. In case that wasn't already enough of a predator reference, smear cold mud on yourself so that they can't track you. Um, the <laughs> the collatas are walking along. And they say, "Wait, we don't smell anything. No scent." And then we have a close up on one of them, and there's like black membranes flick over its eyes, mm-hmm. and it's like mm, body heat. And then you see like a a thermal yeah. imaging thing and I was like and then when that happened I was like okay this is literally predator now <laughs> this is literally predator <laughs> aliens tracking john and Chris through the jungle smearing themselves in goo so they can't track them and then they go to heat vision and then the next i mean I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here we'll talk about the scene in between but the next scene with Crichton and Chris is Crichton sharpening a stick <laughs> you know it's uh, hey guys, hey guys! What are I you? I just saw this awesome movie called Predator. <laughs> it's really indie. Nobody ever seen it. No, a lot of people seen it's it. It's an homage, okay? It's an homage. <laughs> I think it's different enough, and it, oh, yeah, it doesn't yeah, bug me. But I was just like, okay, this is kind. It was when the they did the thermal vision. I'm like, okay, this is now just Predator. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Anyway, then we see again back to Rigel and Stark, and. Uh, uh, inside Talon, and again we have Rigel say, "Look, as soon as we're healed, we're leaving. There's no point waiting for the other." And then Aaron walks in with Talon, like, like Aaron. "Oh, right, my hero." He's <laughs> like, "Aaron, I uh, never doubted that you would return." And uh, it's like, so much up. more capable than the others. <laughs> Shut up. Stark asks, "Like, is this your mother?" "Yes." "Aren't you going to introduce me?" "No." <laughs> no. <laughs> Can we leave? Uh, not yet. Have you heard anything about the others? Nope, you're the first one to return. Alright then, that's that sorted out. So then we go back to Crichton and Crace, and Crichton trying to start a fire and sharpening a stick, you know, not doing too well at it. But uh, like he's just hacking at a stick with a stone, trying to make something, and it's not working, and it pans... Oh, it pull- poor Johnny boy. Poor, poor Johnny. Poor, poor Johnny. And of course we pull back and it's Scorpy. It's Harvey. Uh, and this is actually some important confirmation that at least Harvey is still around from the twinning. So right. Harvey is still around in Talon John and presumably in uh, Moya John as well. If they're, if they're equal, there's no reason that there isn't a Harvey in the other head as well. So now we have to. Now we've not only got two Crichtons, we've got two Harveys as well, which is interesting. Great. <laughs> John's like, go away, Scorpius, this is not a good time. It's like, hey, you summoned me here, or your subconscious did. 
Yeah, and that's where I reside, remember? Yeah, remember. Because <laughs> we haven't seen Harvey for a little while. Yeah, it's been at least since the twinning we haven't seen him. I like and that little bit. I live in your subconscious. Remember, is a little bit of a you know, elbow and nudge to the audience of like you know, remember where Scorpius, you know, where Harvey lives. <laughs> I was like, oh right, yeah, got it. We haven't seen him for a while. Yeah. Oh, th thank you, thank you for reminding us. <laughs> and then John says, "Are these pina coladas? Everything Chris oh. says they are." <laughs> it's like oh. there it is. <laughs> How many times do you think they come up with these in the reverse order, where they think, okay, what's John gonna say? Okay, how are we? Okay, that's what he's gonna say. Now, how do we turn this into an alien name? From the DVD commentary, they actually do talk about that and how that is pretty much what happened in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. They took out the pita out of colada. Like, and there we like, go. We can call them pina coladas. There we go. Yeah, and I think it was Ben Browder who came up with that, like, nickname. So, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Because, yeah, I mean, we haven't had a name for this alien race yet, anyway, so. Yeah, definitely. And Harvey says, well, like, yes, in that, Chris has been completely forthright. Oh, you clever little oh. bastard, Scorpy. And so Crichton's like, wait, so where has he not been forthright? And we just see, you know, Scorpy sort of grinning a bit and it cuts away. Like, yes, Scorpy, you, you have to answer the question, but how you answer the question... And he's just leading John along a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he wanted John to know that. And so now we go back to Talon, and Zalex is she's still walking through Talon, is tied up, and then, you know, sat down in the command. And we see her nail cutting into her arm. Yeah. Into, like, like up along doing along the wrist and then extracting from it like a really long deep cut like a sharp like a almost like a knife I'm like holy shit that's metal as fuck it's, yeah it's embedded in there and um, she basically she it's it embedded out. Oh. into the straight of her lower arm yeah and she because... just pulls it out from the from the, like the cut apparently they had to shoot, shoot that very tightly so that they could get it past the sensors um, mm -hmm. Too much blood and guts. Uh, they don't like that. <sighs> uh, you know, they're that's the thing. They're working for, um, I guess, network TV. It wasn't something like the HBO or uh, no, Netflix or whatever. So they do have to conform to those things, which you know, is the thing. I think they we did well. We talked about this when we were watching uh, Eat Me and how that at the time it was controversial, but nowadays with TV that we're used to, especially stuff like. Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, and a bunch oh, of Galactica. BSG, yeah. Um, that level of thing is not so shocking. But, you know, this is early 2000s and network TV, so, yeah, you yeah, kind of have okay, to... That's fair. Still, she pulls a knife out of her arm. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. That's an awesome place to hide it. <laughs> and so, you know, she's cutting her bonds. And then she succeeds in getting out, quickly sniffs something, and turns into Captain America, basically. Well, kind of. Yeah, like, we get a close-up on her eye, and the pupil just expands hugely, and she's like, ha, ah, and then just starts kicking us. And like, you just realized how you can turn this into a comedy video by just adding the right soundtrack to the back. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> and so, yeah, she attacks Aaron and Stark. The best part is she, like, hits Aaron, knocks her down, and then Stark's like... Ah, running at her, like... Ah, and just goes down really easily. And Rachel's like... he's stuck. Well, I'm not... Nothing if not social grabs him. The knife he's still holding is just as a lance, like, Aah! 
yeah, charges Zalax with the knife, who grabs the knife and twists it back on him, into him, up through his chest, or stomach, rather, and just green blood spurts out of him, and he's like, oh, oh, and then he keels over backwards. Oh, so... no, Rachel, no, favorite puppet, no. <laughs> yeah, and then she locks up Stark and Rigel, who's still, you know, cut open, bleeding, in their, I think in their quarters, all, which is part of a cargo bay. Yeah, and Knox, Aaron was almost trying to, like, talent activate. Trying to get the internal security systems operating, but no. And when she's trying to fight back against Zalax, like, he hits her in the leg, and Zalax just looks at her and grins and just keeps... And just knocks her out uh, like because said, you know Captain that, America. Well, yeah, it's some kind of booster that she takes to mm. increase her uh, strength or uh, resistance to pain or whatever it is, Pretty and much. so she, she can subdue the rest of the crew. And so Stark and Rigel are locked up in their quarters. Rigel's cut open, lying on the bed and dying. This is such a good scene. Oh yeah, yeah, no, this is. So he's lying on the bed and is very weak, and he's bleeding out green blood see that's the thing another thing from the commentary like they don't mind green blood green lots no. of green blood is fine it's when it's red that they have a problem and so stark is looking over him like quite quietly and says oh you do you really do have three stomachs because <laughs> because he can see them sort of falling out of rigel and the smallest heart i've ever seen <laughs> i'm like oh i mean yeah, that's knew, about right i mean we knew that but like, like literally this time like <laughs> <laughs> but he says it very endearingly. Yeah. It's like he's he's genuinely worried. And then Rigel comes to him and is like, Stark, help me. Mm. Yeah, and so then we cut to Aaron and Zalax, and Aaron is tied up in, uh, in command, and Zalax is working on a console and like there's a big chunk of wiring going into it she's touching welding it, it? looks like it because there are sparks coming off it when she like touches it with a you know with a device and it's sparking and says this gunship is remarkable command could never have foreseen it would turn out this way and taking him back to high command yeah just need to sever its higher functions so that it can't resist what? you stay away from talent do not lobotomize talent yeah and uh, her orders were to subdue and secure the gunship for transport and then track and deliver the second target. And I like that Aaron is talking to her like, uh, why are you doing this? You can be more. Like, you came to me that one night to talk to me and Zalek is like, I never did that. You dreamt it. It's like, yeah, I thought that for a while, but I have video evidence of it. I can show you if you really want to. And and I think she says, you know, I every peacekeeper duty I was on, every transport ship, I scanned the faces of people there looking for someone I'd only seen once, mm-hmm. looking, you know, looking for her mother. And now that I have found you, all I feel is shame. And Zalex just fires back with like shame. You feel shame for me, like you who have you know abandoned peacekeeper doctrine and duties and and are now filling in with criminals and yeah. You bring me shame. That kind of kind of twist it about and how there seems to be no sentiment left in Zalax at all. She's despite that. Aaron is like, look, I still believe that some love of person I saw that night that must still be in there. Zalax is like. Command found out. Your father, he was an older man. He was older than I was. I was more used to them. I was a more useful officer because I was younger. But I did have to redeem myself. And Aaron just looks up at her and says, what did you have to do? There's no response the first time she asks. She asks a second time. 
I had to kill your father. Mm. I'm like, fuck, Ooh. peacekeepers are assholes. Yeah, and we see the, sh- the close-up on Aaron's face with, like, sparks going in front of it as she's just shocked hearing that. Oh, man. I know they were dicks, but they, they sometimes, somehow they keep upping the yeah, ante. Yeah, they keep raising the bar for dickishness. <laughs> Once she said, I had to redeem myself, it's like, ah, oh, that's what happened yeah. to her dad. Yeah, and that's why, you know, that's why Aaron could find no record of uh, Talon anywhere, because it's A, he was dead, and B, you know, they found out about her, yeah, him and, and pretty much, Alex. pretty much scrapped him from the record. Uh, just also, like, this scene and a couple of the previous ones have slowed down a bit now of just two people talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Fe- so you've got like that rhythm of like intense action with, to open the episode because we fairly quickly get dropped in the action and then it sort of slows down a bit into these parts where they're mm-hmm. sitting and talking, but not for too long. And in fact, even what well, I said, you know, they are sitting and talking to each other, but there is still some there's the emotional te- tension in the scene and there is a little bit of movement because Alex is you know fiddling with the controls and sparks are flying. Mm-hmm. So it helps helps stop it from being bogged down and you know boring exposition. It actually helps quite a lot. It does remind me. Was it just my imagination, or were they breaking the one eighty rule during this scene? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. Re- got close. I don't remember it. I think there's moments where I'm like, uh, now I'm really confused. Who's standing where? I think because Alex is moving around the consoles, mm. um, you know, fixing up different things. I think that's probably why we had a few different shots that they were cutting back and forth from. Um, and it's, it's probably also why they... The fact that they're looking only just past the camera, they're face, almost yeah, face-off yeah. with the camera, that makes it really hard to... Yeah, so just for reference, the, one, the 180 rule in filmmaking is... Um, I mean, it's, it's something that's it's almost invisible, right? You don't notice it until yeah. it gets broken. It's mm-hmm. if you have two people talking to each other... Rather than having a shot of both of them in the same frame, you know, if you have a close-up on one and a close-up on the other, say uh, person A is looking to the right of the screen, when you cut to person B, they should be looking to the left, so that you know it gives you the sense that they are looking at and talking to each other. Yeah. If you break that, if you have the other person shot from the other side, so they're facing the same direction, then it's disorienting and you're not sure who's talking to who and yeah and like i said it's it's only really noticeable when that rule gets broken because it's just such an invisible part of filmmaking the way the way i like to describe the rule is that it's imagine that the actors are on a stage Mm. and make sure that you're looking at them from one perspective one side yeah yeah you're looking there's basically a line 180 between the actors yeah and while you're shooting uh, their faces you do not cross that line. Yeah, you stay if on you do, either side of it. Yeah, you choose either uh, one of the two sides. If you cross it between shots, you get really confused where everybody is. Yeah. But the, the thing is that line moves in this scene as Zalek moves. Right, yeah. And they do manage to stay on one side of the... the one side of it, but they get really get close. close to the line. Yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure they didn't break it entirely because no, but it, it, typically, it, I, you know, that doesn't happen. I, I kept an extra eye on it the, the second time, and I was like, no, they're not breaking it, but it's it's close, uncomfortably close. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they they go quick bit of a side about some filmmaking techniques. Yeah. So uh, meanwhile, back with Crichton and Crace. Crace comes too. He was kind of a little bit. He's not. He was unconscious for a bit. 
while a little bit unconscious while John was you know sharpening a stick, and so he and talking wakes, to Harvey, which yeah, is relevant. and he wakes up and he finds that he's tied up to he's got ropes around his arms tied up to trees, ropes around his legs, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, Crichton!" And Crichton comes out it's like, "Hey, being the captain." That gets you pretty much. That gets you some pretty cool perks. You get invited to all the big events, and you'd know all the things that peacekeepers wouldn't want to get out. You're yeah, the biggest, and, you know, most importantest jarheads in the peacekeeper family. And that's why you needed our help, right? You knew that if you'd ask for our help, we'd never give it to you, but we'd totally give it to Talon. That's why you wanted to to be Talon's prom date so much. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's why you took Talon so that you could, so that you could get our help. And the peacekeepers aren't just after Talon; they're after you as well, aren't they? And Chris starts about, well, look, I had to think about my survival and used all the assets I had. You. Yeah, it's like because we've had Chris on a redemption arc for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's been trying to convince Crichton that he was he was trustworthy and actually on their side, and Crichton didn't trust him. And so you know, we've been presented with the idea that Kreis is uh, actually been mostly truthful about this stuff and is not trying to deceive them. Now we find out that really the whole reason why he's here with Talon in the first place is not altruistic. It is for his own survival. And we see a little bit of the old Kreis come through mm-hmm. when he says, you know, I had to use all of my assets, including you and Talon. I- I do believe he has changed because yeah, he also yeah. says, "Like, look, that's not—it's not the only reason I did it. I genuinely wanted to help." Right. Yeah, but you see that little bit of ruthlessness come through from yes. um, the, you know, the Chris we know from season one. Old Bylar. Yep, and uh, I just like that because we haven't really seen that from Chris for a while, and now it's like, oh yeah, no, that's still in there, or at least it was at mm-hmm. one point. And then Crichton's like, "Well, still." The peacekeepers can have you. So he chucks water over Crace to wash off the gunk that they'd sm- uh, smeared on themselves. And it's yep. like, he yells out, it's like, hey boys, come, Pina Coladas. And, come and get it. And leaves Crace strung out in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, and Crace is like, come back, come Crichton, back. Crichton, ah. <laughs> uh. Yep. So that's when we go. Actually, that's when we go back to Talon and we find out what happened with Zalex and uh, Aaron's father. And then we come yeah. back to the the call artists finding Crace. Yes. So let's keep moving. Let's keep. They moving. find him. They find him, and they're like, "Hmm, yeah, he is. Got him." And they approach him, and then we see Crichton off to one side with his pointed stick at the ready. Yeah, and I like that one of the pina coladas asks, "Wait, what if this is a trap?" Whether well, the other one is still nearby. And you can see John being like, do I need to strike like, now? Wait, hang on. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, do you smell him? No, then it's safe. Sort of go forwards and John's like readying his stick and it's like, wait, I... And just throws it at one of them. Like yeah, hits it in the stomach. It's like... <gasps> jumps out at the other one and just like leaps onto it. Like he proper like... charges, leaps, spare in hand and just chucks it straight into his chest. Like, again, wow, Rambo again, John right there. Well, yeah, it's yeah, Rambo, you know, uh, Predator, again, like attacking the aliens with a pointed stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing, their mercenary training never covered pointed sticks. <laughs> <laughs> so John is able to subdue the two of them. 
And is like, huh, okay, got him. And Chris is like, you set me up, Christ. Why did you make me think I was going to die? It's like, I needed, well, I needed your sweat, dude. I needed your I needed fear. Make, yeah, I needed to be real. And then Jones is getting up to leave, and, and Chris is like, untie me. He's like, why? I'm just yeah, gonna... you, you've lied to us. But he says, if you're going to execute me, then execute me, but don't just leave me to die. But think about the future. Think about what this means because I, what he said was it i thought about my own survival i did anything i could now it's time you start thinking about your survival yeah what happens if erin isn't back at the ship and just like she will be but what if she's not how are you going to get talon out of here yeah and you he, need me Crichton. and you know grace is right Crichton is just kind of a bit blinded by this and not considering the possibility that erin didn't survive mm -hmm. and you know really has it out for grace but you know, they do kind of need Christ. So, we go back, speaking of Talon, back to Talon, and um, Aaron is tied up in the cargo bay along with Stark. Zalex is sort of poking around uh, in the crates and at the tables, and Stark tells Aaron that, you know, Rigel was dead for a, a few microts, but he actually was able to seal up Rigel's wound with the vines. Yeah. He, from... brought, he brought Rigel back first. Yeah, and, and then he sealed up the wounds with the vines that were growing inside Talon, so that the healing properties should help Rigel survive. Like, he was able yeah. to bring him back, but gotta make sure but he, he does stays say, back. He does say, like, I'm not a diagnosion, so I don't know. It's all I could do. Yeah. The... Hey, call back. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, Zalex is going through stuff, and then, uh, remember earlier when Rigel was watching the vid clip in the mm -hmm. by putting it in like the table and the hologram coming up, that's where they are now and so the, the, the chip is still on there and so Zalex is investigating the table with like a device and then finds it, puts it in and then it starts playing. And Aaron is like see, the night you so conveniently forgot. There it is right in front of her and Zalex is watching it a little bit taken aback and then she just says, it's dead, no, it's dead history, and she just slams the table. And the image disappears, and it's like, it's dead history, and it's a over. Aaron's father is dead, Talon is dead, and you will face a tribunal on account of high treason for abandoning the peacekeepers. And like, it's, it's that moment where I can completely see what she was thinking of when she saw that image, because the moment she said that she loved Aaron, is in her mind tied to her killing the man she loved and all the pain that she went through for that. Yeah, that's, that's why she's completely blocked that part of herself off because it only leads to pain. And yeah, that totally makes sense. And then of course, you know, smashing the table and you know it's clear that that's the case. Oh God, I have to say the actress they got for Aaron's mum, Linda Cropper, does a really really great job in this episode. Yes, yeah, she's really good. And she's she was really able to sell that kind of. That venom with which she uh, goes after Aaron of like, oh, you're weak and uh, sentimental. And then just the understated parts where she's just watching the video and reacting to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, really, really great job and works really well opposite Claudia Black. You know, when they have, because they have, you know, the most scenes together, of course. Yeah, and it's almost like the Peacekeepers put Zalek on it in the hopes that she'd unbalance Aaron. But the opposite is actually happening. I mean, we still don't know if that was even intentional. It may not have been. 
because Zalax didn't recognize Aaron, didn't know that no. she was there. But, I mean, yes, of course, there is always the chance that uh, Peacekeeper Command did. But as we learned earlier, they were they thought, everyone thought that it was because of Aaron, that you know, that's why they put so much effort into this. But no, actually, they want Krace back and mm-hmm. Talon as well. Oh, so yeah, that's ch- they're tied up and you know, they're, how they're going to get out of this, we shall see. But we cut back to the, the outside and one of the Colatas, uh one of the Pina Coladas, wakes up having not been killed by Crichton. Yeah, he's basically the one who got pulls the spear out. Of his stomach, the one who got stabbed in the stomach. And he wakes up and sniffs around and starts moving. Also, Rigel, uh, back on Talon, he's waking up and Zalax has gone off and left the three of them in the cargo bay. And Rigel is just barely coming to and he's like... Oh. And because he's not tied up, because he was basically dead. Aaron is like, Rachel, get up here, get over here, untie us. <laughs> oh, I, I need at least f- get over there. I need at least fifty yards of bed rest. Yeah, and uh, Aaron's just like, no, get over here now, get over here. And eventually, he just drags himself over to them. No, no, he st- he starts examining himself first, and he's like, oh, what's this? Who did this to me? <laughs> and, and Stark is like triumphantly, it's like I I helped you. It's like I did. It was me. You, you idiot! You you sewed my ropes into the wound. <laughs> it's like no, oh no, that's no good. <laughs> I mean, this is what like Stark said, he's no diagnosion. Oh. He did what he could, and apparently it involves sewing Rachel's clothing into I, him. I feel like that was not a uh, not intentional. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he did not do that on purpose. <laughs> So Aaron is just trying to get Rigel over. Just come on, get over here. I'm like, I'm kind of sympathizing with Rigel here because he's mm-hmm. had his stomach cut open and sewn back together and he was dead for a few microns. And then she's like, get over here. Come on, Rigel, stop. He's no, no condition to do anything. Well, the thing is, either he does something or they'll die. Oh, yeah. But so he's just about able to get over to them. And he cuts Aaron loose. And then Aaron's like, okay, take care of the ship. I'm going after Zalek. Yeah, because Zalek then... has gone outside to get weapons from the Prowler. I never entirely got why. I'm assuming to hunt down Krace. Yes. I be- yeah, because they do mention, uh, she says earlier, I've got to go, still have to get the secondary target. Yeah, and their weapons apparently are affected by the higher gravity or the mist here. Yeah, like the denseness of the fog. So they're going to get some spares. Yeah, but... I like that. Rachel is just standing there looking up at Stark and Stark's like, come on, get me free. <laughs> and he's, he's thinking about it, whether he should cut Stark free or not. <laughs> Stark's like, you are incredibly ungrateful. <laughs> and so Crichton and Kreis are making their way back to uh, Talon. So they mm-hmm. they were able to find the tracking device. That yeah, they got the tracking device from one of the pina coladas, I think. Yeah, which who who had it had been dropped or something, and they picked it up and grabbed it off. There. Uh, I, th- I think they basically reprogrammed one of their scanners to look for Talon. Mm, so they're going back through the jungle, and then the surviving pina colada jumps them and attacks Krace and Crichton. Yeah, and Zalax also arrives on the scene, tries to shoot them, but Aaron jumps in just tackles her yeah like you see like Zalax like taking aim as the three of them are fighting and then like Aaron just like runs in and like tackles her down like no 
And so they start having a whole fist fight. So having a John and rumble in the jungle. That's what this is. (laughs) Yes. And I like that Crace and John are trying to fight with the um, pina colada, and they're near the geyser, Chekhov's geyser. Yes, exactly. If you see a geyser on a mantelpiece at the beginning of the episode, it will erupt by the end. No, no, no. If you see a if you see a geyser at the beginning of the episode. Before the episode ends, you have to shove a red, uh, a red alien's face in there to burn <laughs> it off. Yeah, so they're sort of trying to hold it down and push it into there. And the funny thing is with that shot, because of all the animatronics in the puppet's head, they couldn't actually like ram it in there and damage it because it's worth a lot of money. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they rammed it near. That's also yeah. why we don't see that, see that fight ending. Yeah, but I think we hear the guys that go off and they're... Ah, and, nice. Yeah, and so... Alex and Aaron are fighting. I think you get knocked down to the ground. Yeah, and Alex gets the upper hand, aims her weapon at Aaron, and they have a brief exchange where Aaron is like, "Look, you were a better person before. You were at that on that night. Why can't you be now?" Yeah, I know that there's still some part of you that cares about that, and you know that you that there is still something left inside you, and that you can be redeemed or yeah, and, and i think salix says your re- your defiance disgusts me and it's like my defiance started the moment i was born yeah you told me that you made me this you made me this also, person not only that she says look the part of you that wants to wants to rebel that's inside me as yeah, well that's that's who i am i'm a remnant of that part of you you the rebellious part and you made me into that person who wanted to rebel by telling me that i was special you did this yeah me. and just as alex is about to shoot Aaron in rage john jumps on top of her yeah also there's, there is one line where um alex is like no you you can't be redeemed your uh, your corruption is too advanced oh right Yes, and then she says, my corruption started the moment yeah, yeah, I was Yeah, 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 right, yeah. That's it, right. Mm. But yes, John jumps on uh, Zalax, knocks her down. John is struggling with Zalax, and Aaron just picks it up and is like, John, step out of the way, I need to kill her. Mm. Oh, also, another line from that uh, exchange between the two of them, uh, Zalax calls Aaron an aberration, mm. and, but Aaron's like, I am your child. So they have to kill Zalax, because if they let her live... She she won't turn to their side. She's too... And she won't stop coming after them. Yeah. Despite that, John's like, no, we are not doing this. There's been enough killing. This needs to stop. Crace says to Crichton, like, no, Aaron is right. We can't let her live. She'll keep coming after us. And Aaron is pointing the gun at uh, Zalax, and John's like, fine. But Aaron will not be the one to kill her mother. Aaron is not doing this. Crace says, fine, I will do it. And... Chris tells Aaron, like, go, you can't, you must not witness this. You must not see this. And Zalex basically spits at Aaron's, like, she's too weak to kill me. Just hisses at her almost. God, the venom between those two is... And I, I, when she says weak, I just see it in heavy air quotes and, like, no, she has some decency. Zalex clearly it, means it as a weakness, but it's not a weakness. It's not, no. No, yeah, you, no, you are, you are correct, sir. And so... As always. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, yeah, Aaron is taken off by John, who's just sort of pulling her away. But there's actually a quite tense bit where they're like, we have to do this. You have to go. You can't see this. And Aaron is kneeling down, just looking in uh, at Zalax, deciding whether or not to go and let it happen. And mm-hmm. then she just says simply, goodbye, mother. And single tear goes down her eye mm-hmm. and gets up and she leaves. Walks and, away with oh. John. 
Oh, that tension in that scene where building up to her just being like, goodbye, mother, it's like, oh, it's pretty And then, weird. basically, Aaron and John leave. So Alex is like, well, finish it then, Chris. And he takes aim, and then we cut to John and Aaron walking away, and it's actually, the music cuts out. There's some slow-mo. And there's Aaron just crying. We hear the... No, 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 no. There's one thing that happens right before that, which I feel is the okay. twisting of the knife. What's that? Is that as they're walking away, Aaron at some point just like, no, no. And she tries to turn around and go right, back. yeah. And then they shoot. She, so she has that moment of regret. It's like, no, I need to go back. We'll figure something out, but I do not want to have her dead. And then it shoots. And that it, it hits even harder. Because yeah. if she had walked away, she maybe could have saved her mother, which she, in the end, wanted to. Yeah, and John is just, like, holding her, and Aaron just breaks down in what I have written down here as an ugly cry. It's like yes. a full, just so much emotion out of Aaron. Just the... I, I have oh. final regret, comma... And an image of a knife in in a heart being twisted. Just like twist the knife, and it's yeah, Claudia. Kill mom. No, also the fact that uh, having regrets about killing her at yeah. the very end and not being able to do anything about it. And then yeah, just Claudia Black just really going full, just going ham with that emotion, that just raw emotion is what yes. that is. And it's you know the scene is slowed down, this music over the top, so we don't hear like her yell, her cry, or whatever. But we just see her face like contort into that, uh, just oh, oh, ugly cry. That's what I have, yes. and I I feel like the ugly cry is something that doesn't happen a lot in television because it's not pretty, you know. It's not, it doesn't look good, I'd like visually, but it's it's very effective, very very you know, emotional. Last time we had Stark and yes, exactly. That was also an ugly ugly cry from Paul Goddard. Yeah, because it just it it just you know rather than somebody just having a tear go down their face and say i'm so sad you know it really cuts in it gives you that emotion yeah it's the... really really devastated mm. yeah so yeah that's that's what we see there oh yeah Oof. all right and then we go back to talon and um stark and rigel and rigel has managed to recover just about yeah, stark, stark pulls out the wire so his clothes are no longer inside his wounds and he says, like, you're lucky to be alive again. And Rigel says, what do you mean again? Again. You were dead for your few arns there. Well, for a, well, no, for a few microts, not a few He arns. turns it into arns here. Oh, right, okay. Well, I'm pretty did... sure he turns it into arns here. Well, he was, dead for a, he was dead for a bit. And um, when I joined with you to bring him back, but apparently Stark met with Zan yep. when he did that. And Rigel perks up like, Zan? Like, yeah, she looked contented. And she whispered a, a prayer of guardianship. Yeah, we're very lucky that she's looking over us. Yeah, and uh, like Stark repeats the prayer and does like hand movements and said it's a prayer of guardianship. It's, it's a really beautiful friendship moment. And then Rigel farts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, Rigel, what? So lovely. The best part is, so he does that and he looks up and he's like, oh, then and we look at the two of them and Rigel his eye he winks he winks at he winks yeah. I saw that like, <laughs> like oh god damn. <laughs> oh Rigel why mark it up god damn right. <laughs> and then so our next scene or our final scene rather 
is uh, Crichton, Aaron, and Crace in command with Talon, and Crace is on the floor, sort of set up against the console. He's unconscious, it looks. Or he's sleeping or something. And Aaron and Crichton talk about what they're doing, and what's happening is he's splicing his neural engrams with Talon's. Yes. So Talon will be able to navigate on his own again, just to help Talon recover. It's apparently the only way he can recover, because apparently the lobotomizing worked. Or, to st- or partially, at least. Yeah, and Crichton says, look, I don't like it, part of him living in Talon. So yeah, but it's the only way they have to ha- save, his save life. Talon, yeah. And then we can, well, we can finally get some sleep, says Aaron, or, or not. <laughs> and we actually so Crichton is walking through the scene then he sort of sits opposite from Aaron oh, and so the, clo- the close up on the two of them is the two of their heads like sort of touching together and there's their foreheads very foreheads, close yeah. and they're lit from the back with like a red outline and Aaron brings up like my mother was the last connection I had to the peacekeeper ah interesting bit of to the thing to note in that line because what she actually says is she starts saying my mother and stops and it's like my mother Zalax was my mm. last connection to the peacekeepers, and that's gone. And that's important because it's like she stopped thinking of her as her mother, like that person, that her mother really, that person that cared for her or whatever, does not exist Died anymore. Died a very long time ago when the yeah. peacekeepers found out. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that little bit of catching yourself and saying, no, Zalax, not my mother. That yeah. was not my mother. And uh, John says, I know. Yeah. And all your, all and then- your ties are gone. And then you just see her start to cry a little bit again. I'm like, that's quite a bittersweet. Because, yes, she's now fully broken with the peacekeepers. Yeah. But that was the final bit of connections she had with her people. She really now, yeah. in some ways, truly is alone. Mm. And I think even when you know she's separated from the peacekeepers, we've dealt with those things before. But now, with these episodes with her mother, it was clear that there was some hope of finding her mother at some point And perhaps reconciling with her and because of what she said maybe she could bring her around and she could come with them but now that's not happened you know that's been shot down and she now knows her father is dead so like i said that that tie is now completely severed for better and for worse yeah a few tears from aaron and that's the end of the episode yep and so that was relativity um I thought, overall, I actually quite enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. Pretty good episode. I am a bit bummed that they axed Zalex this quickly. Yeah, I, I can see, like, ha- having a more drawn-out arc would have been nice. The problem is, because they're cu- doing back and forth with Moya, if you were going to do that, it would take twice as long. True, but even... I, I would have liked it her to be the big, the big confrontation bad. at the end of the season, mm. even though we only see her in every other episode. Yeah, I could see that. Like, making her the big bad would be would have been uh, interesting, but mm-hmm. I'm happy with what we got from this episode. Yeah, even still. I, I, I'm glad they explored that space. Yeah, and they did it very well, and this episode, apart from like a few of the fight scenes, it all flowed together fairly nicely, mm. and you didn't feel like they were trying to cram too much in. Nope. Uh, because it didn't feel crowded. Because at all. you know the the major focus was on Zalax and Aaron. We still had little bits with Crace and Crichton and finding out Crace's true motivations, um, but they were not so heavily focused on. Um, so they weren't you know fighting for time so much. 
so we were able to go into uh, Aaron and her mother's relationship a lot more once yep. they started interacting with each other. And so you had, again, we had Rigel and Stark split off as kind of the comic relief or the the odd couple. But even that got its nice amount of screen time. They got just yeah, enough yeah. to have a bit of an arc in the episode. Yeah, so I think it was fairly, it was well balanced. Uh, the sets, like I said, were actually kind of, it, it was impressive how much they were able use they were able to get out of the uh, forested jungle set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would not have believed that the set was as small as you described it. Mm. So, yeah, and God, again, like the emotion on Air, between Aaron and Zalax was really well played by uh, Claudia Black and... Completely Linda different Cropper, yeah. take on Aaron's mother than I had expected them to go. Yeah. It's like all the vitriol, vitriol that she had in her voice. It's like, huh, oh, it was, that's not the angle I'd have expected. It was great, though. She really sell, sold that. And just mm-hmm. even that, like, sort of almost hissing at points of like you my daughter you uh, just hissing at her and just being so quiet intensity I think is one way to describe that I'm suddenly thinking of a quote I got from a completely different science fiction series you you are the monument to all my sins Ooh, what's that one from then i got it from halo oh i wouldn't be surprised if it's from if it's again quoted from the bible maybe halo lands a lot from the bible yeah (laughs) but it's it's the uh, it's in halo 2 the grave at some point says that yeah so props to uh, both of those uh, actors and Everyone else did a good job uh, as usual, and mm-hmm. yeah. So overall, I'm I feel fairly confident at least giving this a four. Oh yeah, I'm I'm aiming at four as well. That's why I think it is. I don't know if this is a five out of five. No. I think no. I think it was getting fairly close because it had a hev- pretty heavy emotional punch. Yes, for Aaron. But and you there's... know that, that's kind of really those are the things like those additional little bits of source on the top really you know yes. to make to push it beyond but uh but it's like l- like we said with the fight scene it's a bit mad there's a few other moments where i'm like okay it's working but i it's a, a four out of five very clearly oh yeah it was it was a pretty pretty good episode and i feel i feel good about that mm-hmm. certainly it seems that i mean we've had only had two so far but the talon episodes have been pretty good or i mean we've only had one moya episode so yeah hopefully those pick up but i have to admit thinking about the characters we have on talon versus who we have on moya so on moya you've got dargo Crichton, of course uh jewel and chiana on talon you've got aaron Crichton, crace and uh, you've got rigel and stark but they're kind mm-hmm. of the comic relief a little bit but Aaron Crichton and Crace there's so much there so yeah. much history so much tension between them and that you can do so much more with that I feel than what you can do with the characters who are on Moya yeah because... you need to take a very different angle with the people on Moya yeah. I think they really need to expand and go into Jules backstory if they really want to leverage those five I think that's why I I know we're not basing this on too many episodes, but the last one last week was things happen to the crew. You know, they find a a thing floating in space and stuff happens, Mm -hmm. right? This is, uh, is all the previous stuff coming back to them. There are, you know, there is personal things. There are relationships developed. There are, you know, people's histories and much deeper backstories to it because I think of who is on there and their relationships to each other. Mm-hmm. 
So the Moya episodes need to... I think they need to take... If they're going to do, like, random things happening every week or, like, something else, because they, they can't necessarily go as in-depth. I mean, you can you can probably get a lot more... I don't know how much more mileage you can get, but you've got Dargo and Chiana, and there's Yeah, I think there. that's been played out mostly. Yeah, so I think that they're going to have to do a lot more work to build up, you know, a good head of steam with their episodes because mm. they don't have as deeper connection to each other the, those characters as the people on uh, on Talon do. Guess they'll have to start building that. Let's see if they do that next week. Yeah, we'll see. Well, next week is an interesting one. This is um, an episode called Incubator. And right. Now, ostensibly, this should be a Moya-focused episode, but I don't think it is. Pardon? <laughs> this is not really so much a Moya episode as it is a Scorpius episode. Oh! So you remember we had Scorpius on his command carrier doing all the wormhole research and yes. how he was, you know, plugged into a thing, uh, going looking, you know, trying to find the wormhole knowledge from the chip, and there was the maybe the other version of uh, Crichton on there. Yeah. Here's the uh, one sentence synopsis of the next episode of Incubator. Hoping to gain access to the wormhole knowledge. Scorpius tells his life story to a neural clone of Crichton, created by the chip that was in Crichton's head. Scorpius backstory time! Nice! Hey! Oh, I can't wait for this. I'm excited. So that's up next week, and I think there will be, you know, we'll be back with the crew of Moya as well, but yeah, that will be the focus be the of the plot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, because, oh, more Scorpius is always a good oh, thing. If they play this smart, they can use the little time they have with the Moya crew to deepen out some things for the next episode. Mm, we shall see. We'll, we'll be back with that next week. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. This was uh, Season 3, Episode 10 of Relativity. We enjoyed it. It was a good episode. I would say, like, apart from last week was kind of a low point for Season 3, mm-hmm. but we're back on track, I think, so far anyway. Season 3 has been really good. <laughs> yes. And hopefully that continues next time. All right, we'll see you then. And as I said, thanks for listening. Uh, until then, you can find us around the web on Twitter at Hats and at VidalkinInTree. Yep. Go to KarmaHats.co.uk for previous episodes and other projects and so on, all of which are supported by the Karma Hats Patreon, patreon.com forward slash KarmaHats. And don't forget, if you want uh, links to iTunes there on the website and uh, on iTunes, we would appreciate, you know, rating, commenting, anything you feel like. That would be awesome. S- sending us tweets. Yeah, let, let us, you know, give us some feedback or give us a, leave us a uh, rating on iTunes, anything like that. Just Much a comment or just... Whatever it is. You know, saying that we suck. (laughs) I mean, don't say that. (laughs) Only if it's true. I don't know if it is. I don't think so. I hope not. I'd like to think we don't. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see you next time. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody, and goodbye for now. Oh god, okay, Red, they're after us. Look, come with what, me. What? Just come with what, me. Uh, uh, what's happening? What's happening? No, just no time to explain. Here, grab this. His, take this. Go. Smear oh, it all over oh, yourself. Oh, what, what the f- Oh, they hunt my scent. This? Just smear it. They're uh, there. Okay, oh, okay. okay. Oh. Now cover yourself with these leaves. Yep, that's oh, a... god. Okay, okay. We're... Perfect. Now just get down just in that patch of mud okay, over okay. there. Go. Okay, okay, okay. So why are we doing this? Well, that's the easiest 10 quid I've ever made. Uh, I just bet with someone that I could get you to cover yourself in crap. Ha, 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 ha.
Ah, that's all get you. Ah!